Pastor J.R. Gurley is coming to deliver the message to us. Will you welcome him to the pulpit here at World Outreach Worship Center? Hallelujah. One more time, just give the Lord some praise. Whew. This, is, uh, this has been a super long week of, uh, of ministry. Uh, me and the team, we pulled back into the parking lot last night. We were in uh, Washington, D.C., ministering there. Got back here around about uh, um, around about midnight, I believe. And uh, so I mentioned to the team, I was like, I'll see all y'all back here at 7 in the morning or 7.30 in the morning. And they said, okay, let me tell you, the miracle happened because everybody was back here 7.30 in the morning. I was like, whoa. <laughs> it's like we were so excited just to see and to hear what God did this weekend. I, I could not go to sleep. It's like, it's almost like, uh, it's almost like Thanksgiving, you know, uh, when the, when the smells and the, the aromas from the kitchen begin to disturb you upstairs and it's just like, you can't wait because you know, there's something cooking in the kitchen. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, can you smell what the rock, I'm talking about the rock of ages. Can you smell what the rock's got cooking? Something is up in, in the spirit realm. And, uh, and so we were just excited. I tell you, uh, this Torch Conference, I, I just, whew, one thing I loved about it is that we had a schedule. We had a schedule, and it was funny. And it was funny because it was useless. And I was just like, oh, isn't this, all, I, this is just awesome. You know, the morning session, the power of God moved so heavily, it flowed into the evening session. It was about 3, 3 p.m. on Friday before we realized that we hadn't broke for lunch. But nobody cared. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Lord, give us a hunger for you that far exceeds our hunger for food. For our team that went up with us and came back, I just thank God for them. And Pastor Larry, I, I, one, of we, one of our musicians or a couple of our musicians had had some incidents and they could not play as we practiced. I mean, sometimes things don't go as practice. And it's okay. It's, it really is. Sometimes, you know, people, you look, you can plan to plan to plan, but sometimes the best laid plans of mice and men often go astray. Tell two cities. <clears throat> And sometimes you just got to learn to go with the flow. And we're created to worship. That's what we're created to do. And you just can't rehearse that. Okay? Um, and so uh, I, I, I gave Pastor Larry, a, I sent him a text message because I, I, I was just I was too scared to call him. <laughs> and, and I said, Pastor Larry, help. <laughs> and Pastor Larry texted me back. Or he actually called me back. I was like, oh, Lord, here it goes, here it goes. And Pastor Larry said, JR, what do you need? I said, well, Pastor Larry, we're doing these crazy songs. He said, okay, you just tell me what key, and I'll meet you there tomorrow. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> and then Larry came back in there and just started grooving with us. I tell you, I just, I just love it. I love it. I like it. I love it. And then, you know, we've, we, uh, we, we had one young man who went with us. He's been so transformed by the Spirit of the Lord over the last few weeks just uh, maybe I'll tell you about that in the message, but he, he followed us up to, uh, to the conference, and, and uh, we had every position in the band filled, and he said, Pastor J.R., I'll just grab a tambourine and play it, and he stood on the stage this morning with the tambourine, just jamming with that thing. Thank God for the tambourine ministry, amen? <laughs> if you're going to turn with me today, and I, I want you to put your seatbelts on, and, 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 uh, just prepare your hearts, because I believe not only do, must the preacher be anointed to preach the word of God, I believe that we have to be anointed as the people of God to receive the word of God. And then once we receive the word of God, we have a responsibility, okay? I, uh, I'm not going to do it this morning, but uh, one time I was preaching to a group of young people, and I brought in a bag of stones. And, uh, and I said, you know, I set the stones down, and I said, you have to make a decision today that it, it, whether or not I'm preaching to you the word of God. And if you determine that I'm not preaching the word of God, then you go to hear, hear these stones. And I said, but if you are, if you determine that I am preaching the word of God, then we only have one responsibility to the word of the Lord. And that is like Samuel, to hear and obey. Are y'all with me this morning? And they're like, oh, goodness. 
I, uh, my heart has been broken. You know, there, there have been, I don't want to get into the situation that's going on at my home. And, you know, we came from, we, we, we came from um, an all-night prayer last month, and, and I just knew I was going to sleep in. And I, I just, I love the night watch. I love it. I just love it. We come in here first Friday night of every month, and, and we're just, I mean, people are just strong out, and folks are just praying, and it's just a great time, especially around 3 a.m. We call it the delirium hour. And that's when people get on the microphone and start praying crazy stuff. But how many know God wants to do some crazy stuff? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, what do you believe? I, uh, I got, an, I got a, an, uh, um, a message from someone that I'd led to the Lord a long time, uh, a long time ago. And, you know, um, he'd gone to college and, you know, uh, and we just, I was not able to adequately disciple this gentleman. And now he's, he's, a, he's actually very analytical. He's a super scientist. He's, he's a pro, just one of the top in his field. And I got a message from him and where he was questioning a lot of the things that, that had been told to him because, you know, Christians had come to him and had told him this, 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 and that. And when he, he questioned me, my heart break immediately. And I thought to myself, Lord, it, it bothers me deeply that the average believer, the average Christian, is, it cannot adequately advocate for the faith. Can I just put it plainly? We haven't read enough of the Bible to regurgitate it in a productive way. John chapter 1. And so, literally, I'm sitting here typing a reply, and, and, and then the Holy Spirit conviction is just all over me. At any point... I, and, and, and I'm someone that just takes the ministry of discipleship seriously. It's, my, it's, it's not a class. It's a lifestyle. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. That means I want you to come and see me. I want you to put your eyes on me. I want you to hear the things that I'm saying and see the things that I'm doing and hold me accountable as I give my due service to the Lord. And we don't, we don't do that nowadays. We, we, we elevate men of God and women of God into these ridiculous positions of superstars and every star eventually will supernova. And when it does, the damage that is done to the kingdom is sometimes irreparable if not for God. Y'all with me? So John 1 and 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everybody see that? Say this with me, in the beginning. What does that mean to you? This, we can talk to each other to this morning. In, say it one more time, in the beginning. What does that mean to you? In the beginning. In the beginning, in the beginning, in the beginning. In the beginning, in the beginning. How many of us were here in the beginning? But you know who was? He was here in the beginning, before we ever got here. And keep, uh, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse number 2, and it says, and the same, uh, uh, excuse me, and he was in the beginning with God. Notice the he. Now we're using a different pronoun. So the he is not just an it, it's a person, and that person is who? The Bible says that Jesus is funny, funny enough, uh, uh, even the devil knows this, when, 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 uh, when Jesus comes into the country of the Gadarenes, he sets foot on shore. The Bible says there met him a man out of the tombs who, who was uh, demonized. And Jesus, thou son of David, Jesus, the son of God, they, even the devil knows. The word David or David means revelation, the son of revelation. This is literally what he's calling Jesus. If you look in the book of Revelation, you'll see that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ. How is that possible? Why is he the spirit of prophecy? Why is the testimony of Jesus Christ the spirit of prophecy? Because he is the only created being, or he's the only, excuse me, he's the only being that was there in the beginning. Are y'all with me? Not only was he there in the beginning, but he's the beginning of all things and the ending of all things, yet he's everlasting. Oh, come on, somebody. Yet he's everlasting. God is infinite. 
powerful. The God we serve is infinitely powerful, yet he's intensely personal. You know, one of the things that just blows my mind, the Bible says that God is going to kill death. And I'm like, try to wrap your brain around that. He's going to kill death. He's going to knock it out. There will be no more dying. Amen. <laughs> when we get to heaven, there's going to be no more, there's no, no more tears, no more sadness. We're going to go to a place to study war no more. And God is going to pick up hell, death, all of that stuff, and throw it away. He's going to finish it because he's infinitely powerful. There is no limit to the power of God. But do we believe that? Uh, verse number three. Let me just read it. All things. Everybody say all things. How much is all? Okay, we're in agreement. All things were made through him. Some versions say by him. And without him, there was nothing made that was made. Woo, I love it. The author and the finisher of our faith. Do we believe that? Okay. Verse number four. In him was. See, that's why the grave couldn't keep him. Jesus said, look, I just need. Look, I'm not even going to. I'm not, I'm not going to bug you. I just need to borrow a tomb. Just need to hold on to it for just a couple days. And they put him in there. They rolled the stone in front of it. And there was Jesus, but they could not keep him in there because in him was life. And that life was the light of men. And he got up from the grave. We were singing about that today. And that's why I sang it because in him was life and that life was the light of men. Do we know what we believe? Do we believe what we believe? Can we read it out of the... The King James and New King James. If anybody's got the, KJ, in the NKJV or the KJV, go ahead and thunder out verse 9 and 10 for me. If you keep on reading John, the Bible talks about how he came into his own and his own received him not. He came into the darkness and the darkness comprehended him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become what? Sons of God. And so now we're reading this power. You have to understand, the, the word of God is not only form, uh, formative, it's transformative. I want you to get this in your spirit. Because let me tell you, the world is out there and they are already ready. They're ready to challenge us to, as to what we believe. And the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you shall confess with your mouth. Okay? And then that's, there's a two-part process. Also, you have to do what? Believe where? In your heart. This is where the transformation comes from, not the flesh, literally your mind. You've got to wrap this thing around it. Be you not conformed to the things of this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. Do you know it's possible to come to church Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, and not have your mind renewed? Can I be honest with you this morning? And look, I'm not fussing. No, 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 no. What you're hearing is not an, uh, 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 the voice of anger. What you're hearing is the voice of conviction. And not have our, we, 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 we're, we're under the impression that somehow we're going to view the judgment of God from stadium seating. But I want you to know that the trouble is coming to the doors of the church first. Okay, stay with me. If we believe in our heart, everybody say the word belief. Do you realize, or just take notice that the Bible doesn't say if you confess with your mouth and you know in your heart. It's not about knowing, it's about believing. There is a difference between knowing and believing because knowing will not, or it may or may not bring about change, but believing will. Oh, come on, somebody. Believing will bring about change because you govern yourself according to what you believe. Okay, most of us believe this morning that it was hot, it's going to be hot today. Therefore, we're not in here in mink coats and snow boots. And if we were, then people would look at us and say that we're crazy. 
Because we say that we believe one thing, but then we do. You see where I'm going? And so uh, uh, believing, will, uh, believing is, it will bring about change. Knowing may or may not bring about change. For example, how many of us know something that we should or should not be doing, but yet we are not doing it or doing it in contradiction to what we know that we should or should not be doing? Whew, that was tough. Knowing alone is not enough to bring change. We have to believe. Like, for instance, how many believe that, 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 that God is a forgiving God? How many believe? That's, come on. I believe it. And so when we believe that, when we don't just say it, but when we believe it, it governs how we act. It governs how we conduct ourselves. You know, when we mess up, uh, thank God for ancient paths and for the other ministries that we have here, the deliverance ministries that we have here. But when we mess up, the devil comes in with shame. The devil comes in with blame. The devil comes in with all kinds of doubt and confusion. And then we have a tendency to run, to, to run and to hide ourselves because we don't want anybody to know what we did. But we forget that we have a God who is all-knowing, we have a God who is all-powerful, and we have a Father who forgives sins. And if we believe that God forgives sins and that there is forgiveness of sin in the, fa in, in, in the Father, then we don't run away from Him when we sin. When we sin, we run to Him knowing that He's going to forgive us. And I believe this morning that some of us need to run to him. You don't have to carry around what happened to you years ago. You don't have to carry around what happened to you days ago. God is no respecter of persons. He'll heal one person. He'll heal you. He'll deliver one person. He'll deliver you. And he's waiting today to apply the blood of Jesus that we talked about, that we sing about today, to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. I'm going to preach Jesus today, so just come on. I believe it. And if we say that we believe it as believers, then we need to govern ourselves accordingly. When we see someone that's overtaken in the fault, we shouldn't get the gossip train started. We're supposed to preach the gospel, not the gossip. No, the Bible says that we who are spiritual... We should go to that person and restore them. It doesn't matter what they did. It doesn't matter what they said. We need to go to them and restore them, not get on Facebook and, 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 and blast them or not do this and all and, and, oh, you should have saw and heard was no. No, because I believe that God is a God of forgiveness. And if we believe that God is a God of forgiveness, then that will also govern the way that we forgive others who sin against us. Some of, us are, uh, some of us are sitting here right now holding people in contempt and bitterness because of something that happened years ago. And the Bible literally says that we have to forgive our brothers and sisters so that our heavenly father will forgive us. Do you believe it? Some of you ought to be texting right now. <laughs> Dear brother, sister, I, I, I love you. Uh, it, 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 you know, whatever you got to say, make it right. Because I'm telling you, Jesus is coming. And he's coming for a church without spot or wrinkle. There is no such thing as a nominal Christian. There's no such thing as a nominal Christian. I hear pastors all the time, well, you know, some of us are nominal. No, you're not either. You're in or you're out. JR, I can't believe you said that. I'll sit by the tape. Hear me say it again. There's no such thing as a nominal Christian. How in the world can we read a Bible? How, for those of us who read it, but how can we how can we come in contact with a transformation, a transformative God, and leave the same way? How can we read a Bible and and and, and not be compelled to tell someone about Jesus? It's not okay that we've been saved for 25 years and never led anybody to Christ. It's not okay. Oh, man, it's quiet. I'm going to preach anyway. I came with the amen in my spirit. It's not okay that we have Reverend Pastor, Brother Deacon, Preacher, Dr. Prophet on our title, but we don't disciple anyone. Where are our spiritual children? I'm talking to you, but this is the Lord's talking to me. Belief changes the way we govern ourselves. Belief is what, you know, I'm telling you right now, if you want to be countercultural, there's nothing more countercultural than you can do today than to believe the word of God. You know, you don't have to 
necessarily put in earrings, nose rings, toes rings, and but you we don't do none of that stuff to be countercultural. You really want to catch the attention of society? Stand firm in your belief that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You know, I oh I don't want. I, I, I cannot tell you the, the, the last two weeks, I God's just been keeping me up at night. Just with this heaviness on my heart. Saying, listen, we, I'm just going to be honest with you. We've got some incorrect theology. You know, we, well, we, you know I'd like to quote Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson didn't die on the cross. He's got a lot of secular knowledge. He's got a lot of religious views. I'm not talking down about him, but I'm just telling you, he ain't the Christ. Where are the biblical scholars? Where are the ones who, have, who, who will step in, 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 into, into this dimension of learning the word of God and digesting the word of God so that they can adequately represent a faith to a dark and dying world? I was talking uh, some weeks ago, I was talking to a pastor, they knew I was coming, and, uh, you know, that pastor had the audacity to tell me, well, pastor, he says, well, 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 well J, Pastor J.R., you know, please understand, we, we, we don't want you to mention anything here about abortion because we don't, we don't preach politics at this church. Y'all keep praying for the Lord to save my mind, amen? I have thoughts. I do. I have them. And I'm thinking, who told you that abortion was a political issue? I know I'm going to make the devil mad today. I don't even care. I've been so busy being fascinated by the Christ, I've, I've forgotten to be intimidated by the devil. Who told you? We have allowed the world because of, our, 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 oh, because of shaky theology to come into the church and tell us what a believer is supposed to be. No, you don't know. We're supposed to be the light. We're not the light. And you get in the book of John, John was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. What does that mean? He reflected the light of Christ. That meant people can look at him and see that there is a God somewhere. Look, the moon has no light of its own. But it tells me there's a light somewhere. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, let your light shine. And by the way, it's not a little light. <laughs> It's not a little light. We don't serve a little Jesus. We serve a God that can do exceedingly abundantly above everything that we could ever ask or think. If you can put it in your mind, he can do greater. If you can paint it on the picture, he can do greater than that. We don't have the capacity to understand that God is infinitely powerful, yet he's intensely personal. You know, if, uh, uh, help me stay on track, Holy Spirit. I had, okay, I had reason to go to a gym a few, a few, uh, for the last few whatevers. And, uh, and there's always these type, I mean, they're everywhere. I mean, you, 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 I'm just going to describe it. You got these guys, and sometimes ladies are in there too, and they're just, you know, they're ripping these huge bell, uh, dumbbells, and I mean, they're just stacking, wow, wow. And they're, they're hollering and woo, and then boom, and then the room shakes because of the, 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 the weight that they had just lifted. And other people are looking at him like, wow, that's the most awesome thing ever. But here's the thing. Many of them skipped leg day. And, the, and when from Alabama, in Alabama, we have a saying. It's like, last time I seen legs like that, they were hanging down from a nest. But anyway, they skipped leg day because they were so concentrated on, 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 on a, oh, come on, somebody. Y'all can, whatever, I'm just going to put it out there. They're so concentrated on, on adapting to a social norm that they didn't do anything for their base. And as big as they are, most of them, I could run backwards and jump and knock them over because their center of gravity is too high. And I believe theologically, probably in the last 60-some years, the church, we have, in America, we have skipped leg day. We don't, we don't have the foundational truths that are necessary to properly advocate the faith, and therefore we have, we have acquiesced into the world's definition of what church ought to be. Lord, help me if I, if I ever get in the car and pick up my kids, and the number one question I asked them after coming from church, son, was it fun? We're supposed to be formative, not fun. I'm not saying we can't be fun. I'm just saying we're supposed to be formative first. I remember years ago, 
uh, it was the craziest thing. The power of God was just falling over in the youth department. And then you had, you had parents who would come in right at 8.30. Uh, I need my son or daughter to come in. Your son and daughter is rolling around on the carpet being delivered from devils, and you want to rip them out of the presence of God so you can go home and watch Star Trek? Can we just be real? I just want to be real. Look, I told, this may be the last time I ever preach. I just want to be real with you. The world around us is dying. And we can't be content to let it happen on our watch. We're all watchmen. We're all watchmen. This is what the prophets tell us. We're all watchmen. We're all here to sound the alarm. Sometimes it's going to make people upset with you. Trust me, I know. As a pastor, I told you, eventually you'll make everybody happy. Half the people were happy when you came. The other half would be happy when you leave. But we got to stop worrying about what the world thinks. Our target is the world. Their, their thinking is messed up already. If our gospel be hidden, it is hidden to those who are lost and whom the God of this world has blinded their minds. And we're allowing people who have blinded minds to tell us what we should and should not be doing. This pastor told me, oh, no, look, let me tell you something. They said the same thing about slavery in the 1800s. It's a political issue. It's not a political issue. It's a theological issue. I was reading the other day, uh, General Sherman, General Grant, and General Lee actually had a different interpretation of, of, of two key passages in the Bible. And they went to war over it. It was a theological issue. Are y'all with me this morning? And here we are standing in the greatest, the greatest threat to our day. And I, and I told this pastor, I was like, look, I don't know what book you've been reading, but it hasn't been the Bible. The Bible declares that we ought to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. We are to be the voice of the voiceless. And what more voiceless person, what more helpless person than a life that was in the womb? Can I ask you a question? When did Jesus become Jesus? John 1, 14, or John 1 says, in the beginning was... The word. You remember what happened when Mary told her cousin that, that the angel had visited her too? And, 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 and upon hearing the news, what happened to her cousin, Elizabeth? Yeah. What happened to her? The baby. What baby? What was his name? You mean John had a name? Oh, come on. Jeremiah 1. Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you were born, I've called you to be a prophet unto the nations. Oh, I know I'm making people mad. I'm going to keep preaching anyway. So John the Baptist jumped in her womb. He was alive and he was a person. When, so when, at what point did Jesus become a person? Mary had an unplanned pregnancy. Thank God she carried it full term. But when did Jesus become Jesus? If he wasn't Jesus in the first week, he wasn't Jesus. It was just a clump of sales. Oh, really? And you and you're a pa <laughs> and you're a pastor, and you believe this? And I, when has Jesus become Jesus? He was Jesus in the beginning. He was Jesus in the womb. He was Jesus as a child. He was Jesus as a man, as a 33-year-old man, fully God. And fully Christ, or fully man. Oh. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, do you believe this? Folks, I'm telling you right now. I remember where I was when I looked on my, on my phone screen. And I heard our governor sit there with a straight face. A children's doctor. Yes. Oh, Lord. Father. I just come against the spirit of religion in the name of Jesus. I come against the spirit of the enemy right now in attempting to just blind people's minds from hearing the truth. You know, I, 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 sometimes I tell people that, you know, the evil, evil is actually a light. Stay with me. The Bible says even Satan himself appears as an angel of. And what happens, this is what draws people to the darkness, by the way. It's not just darkness, it's a light. It's, it's, it's a lot of information, just no revelation. And what happens is, it's a light that's so, that's, that's, that's so bright that immediately we don't want to look at it. 
We'd rather bury our heads in the sand and pretend like this evil does not exist. Otherwise, once we become informed of it, now we, we have to act on it. And the governor got on that television and said, well, you know, um, well, I'll tell you what happens if the baby was born. If, conditional phrase, baby, a noun, person, place, or thing, born, an action, brought into life. If the baby was born, we would keep it comfortable, cover it with a blanket, and then the mother and doctor would step outside and have a conversation. What he was alluding to is that if the mother is still at this time declared that she, for some reason, wanted to abort the child after it was born, then it would be okay. No, Mr. Governor, it is not okay. It is not okay. I'm just going to say it again. It is not okay. That was the spirit of the Antichrist speaking to the tongue of the governor. Oh, JR, you're online. They're broadcasting this live. Hear me say it again. And I was appalled because I, I, I was appalled because a lot of churches and a lot of pastors said nothing. And I thought to myself, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. How in the it's one thing to abort a baby, but now we're talking about infanticide. This is literally what Pharaoh did to, to, to Israel but at the time that Moses was going to be born. This is literally what, what, what Herod did or, uh, during the time that Jesus was going to be born. Kill the babies. Since Roe versus Wade, 61 to 60 to 61 million babies have been aborted. I'm going to just tell the story. I, I, look, if you want to learn more about it, you got you to gotta go, come, come on a Wednesday night or something. But Margaret Zinger was, in fact, a eugenicist. You know, I have a copy of a Wikipedia page um, that I, 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 we looked at. One of our students was in college, whatever, uh, maybe about just four years ago, by the way, four years ago. And they did a study on Margaret Zinger. And it said right there on Wikipedia that she was a eugenicist and that she believed in population control, mostly in the population of minorities, blacks, whites, or excuse me, blacks, Hispanics, and Asians. It said it right there on Wikipedia. Now go to Wikipedia today. I dare you. See if you can find the word eugenicist. They, we are allowing them to rewrite history. And not only that, but her plan was to go into minority communities. This is why today, eight, over 88% of Planned Parenthood facilities, which, by the way, they changed their name to Planned Parenthood before it was Planned Parenthood. It was the American Birth Control Association. Population control. Y'all with me? Over 80, almost 88% of their facilities are located in black neighborhoods. They are, they are fulfilling today what you, 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 they are fulfilling today what other racist organizations they, they are fulfilling today what the KKK could have only dreamed of. Since Roe versus Wade, 60 million babies have been aborted. But 40% of all abortions are, 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 are had by less than 14% of the population, black women. So do the math. 40% of 61 million, you arrive somewhere around 24,400,000. 24,400,000. The actual black population today in America is between 40 and 45 million. Over 50% of the black population has been annihilated. And you know what the church says? Oh, oh, it's a political issue. It's not a political issue. It's a right. How can we read the Bible? How come our hearts are not burning? You know, I, I, I personally believe the governor should be getting no rest right now, and he's not. I'm, I'm not I called every one of his cabinet members to task. I, I, I tweeted at them. I called them on their phone. They, some of them, I was surprised. They actually answered the phone themselves. And I wasn't, you know, you know, I was like, look, you know, you, I know you don't agree with this because I read your page before you got a government position. You were a professor in this university. And you were pro-life, but the governor put some money in your pocket, and now you're singing a different song. Oh, come on, somebody. But we are the church. We are supposed to be the key influencers in the land. The word for church is ecclesia, which means government. The government. We are, we, we are help, me, help me, Holy Ghost. We are, in fact, God's government, God's political organization. And because we have spiritual, we have theological asymmetry, we've allowed the world to tell us what it means to be a believer.
Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 13.5. 2 Corinthians 13.5. And again, I don't, I'm not speaking. This is not, a word, this is not a message of, please do not allow the, re, the religious spirit to re-preach my message in your ears. 2 Corinthians 13.5. Can somebody read it out of their version? Or just here. It says, examine yourselves as to what? Test your, you notice the Bible uses two different words. The first word is examine. That means to expose yourself to rigorous scrutiny. And then after you produce a result, when you test, you compare that result with the controlled, uh, uh, with, 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 with controlled data. So examine and test yourselves. Do you not know that yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are what? Yep, your Bible says reprobate. Turn with me now to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 1. Uh, I'm going to try to close with this. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 1. I'll just quote it. Uh, it says, Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the last days, or the latter days, some will what? Y'all see that? How many agree we're living in the last days? I don't want you to read this because, I, I, listen, folks, I, I, I would be, I would get in trouble if I stood here today and told you everyone in this building, if, they, if we walked outside of these doors and we lost our life, that we would wake up in heaven. God would hold me responsible for telling that lie. Now, the Spirit speaks expressly that in the last days or the latter days, many or some, excuse me, shall depart the faith, giving heed to what? Seducing spirits and what? Doctrines of devils. A doctrine of devils tells us that it's okay not to witness. Doctrines of devils tells us it's okay not to disciple. Doctrines of devils says all you have to do is come to church, give a tithe and offering, and then leave. Doctrines of devils tells us that we don't have to, men, we don't really have to be the, the priest of our household. We can, we can coexist with someone who's not even a uh, someone who's not even a believer, and just just believe in our heart that they're going to get caught up in the air with us. A doctrine of devils tells us that it's okay that to, to not to not instill within our sons and daughters their identity. Doctrines of devils will tell us that it's okay not to talk to our sons and daughters about sex. Help me, Holy Ghost. And because of that, we are giving birth to a generation who does not know God, and the God that they know is not the real God. I told you that God was infinitely powerful, but he was intensely personal. And all you listen to the songs that come on the radio station now, the Christian songs. I'm like, who put that in a song? It don't even make theological sense. Don't even talk about Jesus. Now, you can literally listen to a particular spirit, uh, oh, spirit, haha, listen to a particular radio station. And I, I, I listened, I tried to listen the other day for like six minutes. I had to turn it off. I was struggling. And, and, and the two or three songs they played in that six minutes, they could have been talking about Buddha, Confucius, or Muhammad. We don't even mention Jesus anymore. I know y'all look, well, JR, you're old fashioned. Well, the Bible says search for the old past, and when you find them, walk therein. Why am I talking like this this morning? Because we are living in the greatest hour that the earth has ever seen. And let me tell you, I'm just going to say it. If the Bible that you're reading allows you to not participate and still be comfortable, you might not make it. And I use might sparingly. Last scripture. <laughs> that was the last scripture. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 15. The NKJV says this. It says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A worker does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. King James says, study to show thyself approved unto God. A worker not need be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How many of us this week have picked up our Bible and read it, not to prepare for a sermon, but actually read it. Doctrines of devils will tell you that it's okay to not read your Bible. 
is the first thing that you reach for in the morning, if it's Facebook, you might need to examine yourself. If the first thing you reach for in the morning is Jordan Peterson, then you might need to examine yourself. Oh, come on, somebody. Look, I, I, I don't even wish that. So, Lord, forgive me. I was about to say, I wish I had a happy. No, I don't. God loves you. I love you. And I want you to make it into heaven. And I want you to take people with you that had no idea they were even going until they met you. You know, I was standing in, in the store the other day. I was telling you all these the Lord's just, man, I've literally had no resting place for over a month and a half. My house was destroyed via an accident, and blah, 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 an incident. And we've just been in the process of building back walls and repairing floors. But, you know, when your house is, when your house is disoriented, so are you. And I found myself waking up in the middle of the night just like, oh, it just weighs down on me. And so, you know, um, we're, we're, we began the process of restoration. And, and so here I am with my dad, and, I, I'm, I'm, and we're at this store, and I'm thinking, oh, praise the Lord, we're, we're going to put the floors back in now. And so we're buying the floors, and it's a Wednesday. And the only thing on my mind is I gotta, I got, it's, it's, it's like 3 or 4 o'clock. I've got literally just, uh, 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 i got a few minutes to go home to change and then to go get ready for, for, to be at the building at 5.30, whatever, to get ready for service. It's the only thing on my mind. And my dad, I tell you, he's just strolling in there, taking his time, got to talk to everybody. <laughs> and so I actually stepped away, and I looked at what my father was doing. He was literally trapping people. Like, they, they were trying to walk past him. He said, hey, young man, do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? And I'm the preacher. Hashtag preacher fail. And there is my father witnessing to, to, to several people, and here I am with a bag full of stuff like it's going to matter in eternity. What profit the man to gain the whole wide world and lose his soul? We cannot allow the devil to get us unfocused on what our primary purpose is. Yes, I'm in here buying floors, but I'm in here taking hostages. Do you know the man from Galilee? Let me tell you what God did for me way back when. And then look, they can't go anywhere. It's not like they're going to walk off the job. And we don't have to be rude about it, but we can begin to minister. Make him an assignment. If it's the same person that helps you at the counter, then make a plan for next week. Pour into their spirit. Growing up, we had this tree in our front yard. And I, th I think it was called a weeping willow tree. And it was amazing. It was the, 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 our entire community just knew about this tree. I'm, I cannot tell you how many times I've literally heard cars hit brakes. And then you, you see the back door of that car open and there's some eight-year-old with tears down his eyes walking up to the tree to peel off a switch. People used to knock on our door. And soon, pretty soon my mom just got to the point, I know why you're here. Yes, just take all the switches you need. You know, take all the switches you need. And it was a great tree, you know. And, and one day the city came knocking and the city said, listen, um, um, you're not supposed to have this tree on your property, blah, 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 blah. It's growing over the sidewalk. And, and we're like, well, look, this tree has been, this tree was here before we got here. And the city said, well, you're going to have to cut it down. And we was like, well, you know, we're not, you know, we're not necessarily going to cut the tree down. And the city said, well, okay, if you don't want to cut the tree down, we'll cut it down for you. And we was like, okay, well, you do what you got to do. And so they came out there with chainsaws, and we're, we're all watching. It was like a Thursday morning or something. Well, I, I'm not going there. Uh, I know why it was a Thursday, but that's a different story. We're just going to stick with this one. And so we're watching through the window, and they come out with these chainsaws, and they cut all the branches down. And then, they, uh, then you got the guy, a couple guys, they hold, get a hold of uh, the base of the tree, and they try to pull it up, they, and, and they failed. And so then they came with, uh, with shovels, and you got the guys with these shovels, and they keep digging around the tree, digging around the tree, digging around the tree. This was an all-day thing. I'm telling you, their 9 to 5 or 8 to 4, was, they, they earned that check that day. So the guys with the shovels put the shovels down, and they still couldn't get the tree out. So then they tried to get it with, uh, with, with, with one of their trucks, and the truck couldn't get the tree out. So they dug some more, dug some more, dug some more. Uh, and, and we're watching this whole thing, you know. And so, um, and so finally they got one of the big old city dump trucks, and they put some chains around the base of that tree, and they let it lag. 
And then the guy just hit the, hit, I mean, he hit the gas. And here's, here's this tree still fighting this dump truck. And eventually they got the tree out. But the most amazing thing is that when that tree came up, you, we discovered that the roots of that, they were, they were probably roots in the backyard. That tree could probably grow on Denby and slap, slap people in the wind on Warwick Boulevard. That's how, I mean, them roots was just crazy. And I thought to my, it took such a long time. And, I, and my prayer today is, God, give me faith like that tree. Give me a theological perspective. Give me a worldview like that tree that will not be toppled over by every wind of doctrine. We are in the fight for our life, church. We're in the fight for our life. Uh, in the book of Daniel, they had this, stand to your feet with me as we're, as we're closing. In the book of Daniel, they had this idol, and they said, listen, we're, we're, when, when you hear the sound of the music, worship this idol, worship this idol, worship this idol. And there were three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're Babylonian names, and they, they would not worship this idol. And they said, if you don't worship this idol, we're going to malign you in public. We're going we're gonna, to we're, we're gonna seize your assets. We're, and eventually, we're going to take your life. And I'm telling you today, right now, that once again, the culture of this world is looking at us, and they're, and they're decreeing that we, tear, that, we, that we worship this idol that they're putting up. And this idol was erected by 4% of, this, of the population of America. And I believe this idol today is LBGTQ, whatever. RS, whatever. And churches right now are bowing to that idol. I, I got a, he's, I say pastor friend, but, but, but they, 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 had, they allow the, the, these groups to meet in their church property. And not only that, but he also allow, uh, they also have a Muslim community that he allows to worship right there on the church property because he's progressive. Oh, y'all look at me like I'm crazy, but I'm telling you, We cannot allow the world to tell us who we are. And I'm not preaching hate. I'm not preaching hate. No, listen to the words I'm saying. Tell that religious spirit to be quiet in the name of Jesus. Listen, folks, if you don't like the way you were born, then just be born again. We have a school right behind us, DCA. And I believe this DCA is going to be the, it is the battleground between our culture and the culture of the world. And we need to be doing everything we can as brothers and sisters in the faith, as mothers and fathers in the faith. I literally believe that God's going to call some of us out of retirement to go teach in DCA. Because we are responsible for raising up men and women of God who are counterculture, and not only who are countercultural, but they have the knowledge and they have the, the, the experience base to compete with the world. I encourage you, if you haven't picked up your Bible, get back in this thing. Test yourself, examine yourself to see if you be of the faith. Well, Pastor JR, I've, 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 been, I've been a Christian for so many years, I've never led anybody to the Lord. I need to learn how to do it. I encourage you, we have classes here. I don't know where Miss Terry is, but she takes a team out on Saturdays. Uh, there are others that take teams out on Saturdays that go out to witness. Go with them. Learn. Learn how to do it. Learn how to talk to people. Sometimes all it takes is a smile and a handshake. Normally when you ask people if, they can, if you can pray for them, they hardly ever say no. But learn how to do it. But do not allow the doctrine of the enemy to lull you asleep. Well, somebody else's problem, they can deal with it. No, we need to get the attitude that if, it does, if it's going to happen in Newport News, it's going to be wild that does it. We are all watchmen. The Bible says that God is a watchman. The prophet tells us that we are watchmen. This is our watch. And the number one requirement of a watchman is that you cannot fall asleep. I hear you, Holy Spirit. Oh, glory to your name, Father. Glory to your name, Father. Do we believe what we say we believe? I was in the, I was in the prayer room four weeks ago and praying. And, and sometimes we just get rudimentary. 
It happens. You know, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and literally said, JR, I am alive. I said, well, you know, Lord, of course you're alive. He's like, no, 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 no. You see, sometimes we pray and we think about God. And, you know, well, the Lord got up from the grave. Yes, that's wonderful. And the Lord's in seated, in seated in heaven. That's wonderful. And, and, we, and we, 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 we relate to God as if he is a mist or a wind or a fable or a fairy tale or a sky daddy. But what the Lord was telling me is that Jesus is alive. You see, when I'm praying to someone, I'm not just praying to an empty throne. I'm praying to a God who is alive right now, who's seated on the throne. He's got two eyes. He's got two ears. He's got a mouth, and he's speaking, and he's moving, and the eyes of the Lord are going to and fro in the earth. He's alive, and that's when I, that's because... He got up from the grave, and when I pray to the Lord, he hears me. A living God hears me. Cancer has no competition with the God of a, who's alive. Sickness has no competition with the God who is alive. Jesus is alive. And man, when that revelation hit me, I could hardly stand up. I said, oh my God, everything changes now. He's alive. He's alive. I'm just going to open the altars. If the Holy Spirit is moving upon your heart, I, I, I earnestly beg you to, this morning, do not leave this place without making a commitment to God to be the man or woman of God that he's called you to be. It doesn't matter what happened for, but be, before, before this day. I don't know about you, but I am determined. Somebody told me, Jerry, you're crazy. You're going to end up getting shot. I don't care. I don't care. To die is gain. All right. Jesus hung, bled, and died on the cross. He did not die of natural causes. He was murdered. And he was murdered because he preached a gospel that was offensive to the world. Well, we know we don't want to offend anybody. Why not? Are we so scared of what people are going to say? People that are perishing. Are we so scared? No. Let's go out there and live the best life we can live through the God who's alive and sits on the throne. Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give you power to tread upon the serpent, upon the scorpion, and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Come at me, bro. The altars are open. I'm just going to turn it back over to pastor at this time, but the altars are open. And I'm telling you, uh, I feel the winds of reformation blowing. Yeah. I feel God calling the sons and daughters back to the place at his feet. I'm telling you right now, the, the abortion clinics won't be empty until the prayer rooms are full. The clubs won't be empty until the prayer rooms are full. Let's go out and live what we say we believe in Jesus' name.